Welcome to the Missionary District Podcast. I am Amos, and I have a very special guest today for an important conversation about the practical ways that we can serve the poor. Um, so this is Deaconess Kay Steele, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because she is Rob Steele's mother. Um, a mother to us all, really, but mother to Rob in a special way, as he likes to remind us. Um, Kay, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us what generally is a deaconess and how did you get into ministry? Sure. Thanks, Amos. Yeah, I'm actually Saskatchewan-born. I was raised on a farm uh, near Wawoda, which is in the southeast corner. Probably not a lot of people have heard of it, but I was raised there. I raised my four kids and worked as a registered nurse there in that same area for over 40 years. And we were raised as Catholics. And right out of the nurse's training, I got married quite young. And uh, life was pretty hard at, at a lot of different points. But I had an encounter with the Lord at a like in a really personal way uh, when I was 29. Mm. And that brought just a different worldview, I think, and peace in my life that I hadn't known before. And uh, have really felt just a, a bit of a, a fire in me since then that the Lord had just put a desire for more of Him. And that sort of drove my life after that for many years and brought me through a lot of different things. So when I retired from nursing, I came to Lethbridge, and I came specifically to VIA to take um, Corpus, the discipleship class that they were offering at that point, and, and really wanting to get involved in the church and in ministry, feeling like I had time to do that now in my life. And, and a few years after I got here, I had a chance to come on staff part-time and to help with some of the church ministries that I had already been a part of and had loved being a part of that. And that's really both been exciting and challenging. Um, all of that really, when I look back, has been an answer to lifelong prayers for me to serve the Lord in ministry. And it's given me just a fuller understanding of what that means and just new opportunity to learn more about God's heart for his church and for the call that he has for all of us to serve him and to serve people, people within our community and people in the city and around us. So during my time at work, I really was looking to, for a deeper theological understanding of scripture and of church. And so I enrolled in uh, Trinity College in the diaconal studies program there. Uh, it was online, so it made it possible to do that while I, while I was still working. And this really helped me to dig deeper into the real essence of God's call to serve us biblically. During that time, I was invited to enter a time of discernment to be a deaconess. And that wasn't something that I had ever considered, but it came to feel like the Lord had been preparing me for it for much of my life. Um, it was in 2021, uh, I was blessed to be uh, set apart to the order of deaconess, uh, which is the official uh, words for that, I guess, <laughs> which is really just a more formal way for women to dedicate themselves to the ministry of the church. It isn't an ordained order, 
and it is under the direction of your rector. So some of the things that a deaconess does and can do can include care for the sick uh, and the poor with a special call to minister to women and children and really to advocate for them and to promote their welfare. I've learned uh, the role of deaconess really can change a bit depending on the needs of their church and at the request of the rector. But it's always in line with the canons and constitutions of the, of the diocese too. Right. Yeah. But historically, deaconesses were considered a role for an older uh, or unmarried woman, which I think is just a practical element to that. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you can focus your time on ministry and giving yourself fully to it to serve the church and not at the expense of family. Right. So some of the women that we see in the Bible that, that uh, have been thought to have that type of role or title, such as Phoebe or Deborah or Anna, and the language around what they did and um, what their titles were is still debated today. So yeah. it's a long-standing <laughs> debate, really, of what they were called. But uh, they're considered to be what a deaconess is called to. And uh, the ACNA does acknowledge the lay order of deaconesses. And uh, I've been welcomed into Anik as a deaconess for Via Lethbridge. So that's, uh, that's beautiful. And I'm still learning a lot about what that means and uh, how to serve the church in that way. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. It's really great to hear um, some of your story in that and your, your journey from even starting out in the Catholic Church and mm-hmm. then having a dramatic encounter with God and then finding yourself yeah. um, in ministry. Uh, that's, that's a really great, great story. It feels a little bit uh, like he's brought me full circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just in my spiritual walk and just in really learning who God is. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think my goals in having you join me for this conversation today would really be to, to inspire people to engage in service to the poor in their own lives. And maybe secondly, to, to join in with other people and organizations that are actively serving the poor either in a volunteer capacity or in giving of their finances or in offering prayer support. Um, I know we are always looking for those three things, right? Volunteers, finances, and prayer. They're, they're always on our mind. Um, it's, it's a constant need. When it comes to serving the poor, um, I really don't imagine that there are many people familiar with Christianity or many people who listen to this podcast that would doubt the biblical imperative to serve the poor. But maybe just before we get into talking about um, sort of what you do personally and some of the things that we do as a church, I thought maybe we could give something of a biblical theological foundation for serving the poor. So what kinds of passages do you typically turn to when it comes to this topic? What are the things that come up? Yeah, I think uh, particularly uh, places in, in Scripture that have been significant for me in in the role of serving the poor. What comes to mind, first of all, is Philippians 2. And that's where Paul talks about Christ taking on the form of a servant, hmm. which really led me to consider the deeper meaning of, of what servanthood really means. And just seeing the picture of Christ's humility in this text, uh, to think and feel in a new way and in a deeper way. 
Paul calls the people in this scripture to take the role of a servant, to pour themselves out for others as Christ did. And uh, although he, it says in there to have the mind of Christ, he's really calling them to really receive God's um, heart and character, which ultimately affects the way we act. Right. So I feel that that's a call to action, right? Yeah. It's called to do something. And Christ did that, right? Also in Matthew, when he talks about Christ's compassion for the, for the poor and for the sick. And so it, was out of, it comes out of his love for, for people. Yeah. And uh, Matthew 14 says that he had compassion on the people, and that led him to healing those uh, that were sick and suffering. And it talks about Jesus' compassion that prompted him to take action. So he mercifully loves and heals and rescues people. And we see that in that, in that particular passage. Also in Matthew 22, we're, I mean, we're called. We're called to, uh, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're not to do things out of selfish gain, right? Yeah, um, yeah. These are things that God calls all of us to do. And I just felt that really deeply. And so it's really out of the love and compassion of Christ. And I think that's the thing that, that I feel uh, is that to see people as Christ sees them, yeah. to love them as Christ loved them, then you you need to respond to that. Right. And so the call to serve, to serve the poor and the needy is a, is a call to action out of out of love. Right. So. Yeah, that's great. I love that Philippians 2 passage, um, especially. For me, I think there's probably two passages that, that consistently come to mind. Now, it's everywhere in the Bible, of course, so it, it, it kind of feels a little bit arbitrary to pick a couple of verses. <laughs> Um, but I find that that I I often go back to Leviticus 19 and Galatians 2, and I think that's good to have a passage you know from the Old Testament and the New. Um, I think that shows that it is a priority all through Scripture. It's not something that's sort of novel to the New Testament, uh, but something that actually is deep in the heart of God, and that has had a place of central importance from the very beginning. Um, Leviticus 19 contains that famous command that's referenced in Matthew that you talked about, to love your neighbor as yourself. But it's not just that. There's also all of these strange and just intriguing rules about like what to do when you're harvesting, that you're not supposed to reap your field right to the border, but you should leave a little bit at the edges. And when you're gathering from your vineyard and you drop some grapes, you're not supposed to pick them up. And it just seems so strange to me and probably to everyone in the West because it's almost like God is advocating for poor work ethic, right? Like he, he's literally saying, yeah. cut corners, be less efficient, put less <laughs> emphasis on productivity. But the whole point is that after you're done clearing the land, there should be enough left for the able poor to go out mm. and collect food after you and provide for their families. Yeah. And there's probably a whole another conversation that we could have there about um, the dignity of work versus mm -hmm. just the proclivity to give money or handouts. Um, he's not telling the landowners to share what they have harvested with the poor, at least not in this passage. That is something that they do have to do. But here he's telling them to leave something for the poor to harvest for themselves. So the land truly belongs to God. And part of stewarding the land is participating in God's provision to his people. And so I think he's he's calling all of us to something like that. Yeah, I I that that connects to me too. I think, and I see that, and I've seen that in my own life, but also in others. That there is a dignity 
in what work does for us, well, how how it uh, the Lord acts actually knows that we need it, right? right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that the work of our hands it can build something in us, and it's just a blessing to work. Now right. I would not have always known that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I see that biblically, actually, God is speaking to the blessing that work is for us. Right. Um, I mean, even the Israelites had to gather the manna, right? Yeah, they did, he didn't true, just yeah. drop it in their tents. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think that's true. It brings brings something special to us. That's great. Yeah, and the other the other thing I find really interesting about this Leviticus nineteen passage and these rules is that they're all set in the context of the holiness of God. So right at the beginning of the passage, it says, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then it it sort of keeps re-referencing that and keeps it in view throughout the passage. So there's one or two commands, and then it says it again, I am the Lord. Do this, do this, do this. I am the Lord. And what I really like about that is that it gives us something like a practical holiness, right? You shall be holy for I am holy. How exactly, right? Holiness is such an ambiguous thing to grasp, but the scriptures don't really make us guess at it. What does holiness look like? Do this, Mm. provide for the poor. Do this, be honest in your business dealings. Do this, love your neighbor. It makes it very simple and very practical for us. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I think I've always searched for those answers in my own life and in scripture. Yeah. When the Lord has a command, I always had that, how do I do that in my heart? Yeah. And so this is, uh, this is beautiful. Yeah. Galatians 2, the other passage that I mentioned, is essentially Paul telling his story and how he came to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And at one point, he goes to the apostles in Jerusalem for the express purpose of having his gospel tested. And so he's there before Peter and James and John and perhaps others— And he explains to them the message that he had been preaching, the message that he felt he had received from the Lord to make sure that what he was preaching was in harmony with what they were preaching. And so he says, I laid before them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, lest somehow I should be running or had run in vain. And then their response to that, he says that they added nothing to me. In other words, they approved of his message. They felt that it was the true gospel. But then he says this in verse 10. Only they would have us remember the poor, which very thing I was Mm. eager to do. And I just think that's so important. I think uh, because it ties caring for the poor together with the very message of the gospel, Mm. right? That was his purpose in Jerusalem, to submit his gospel to the apostles. And the only thing the apostles say to him is, remember the poor. It was a great presentation, Paul, but remember the poor. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us in Scripture that the message of the gospel isn't just theoretical, but it's practical. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just a Mm. spiritual, otherworldly pursuit, but it has real implications for the here and now. So caring for the poor is not something that we do on the side. It's not an optional extra in the gospel. It's part of the gospel message to such an extent that a presentation of the gospel is incomplete without Mm. it. Um, And I just think that's so amazing. Don't forget about the poor. This really is a central characteristic of God's people. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I I agree. I think you're living the gospel message, really, when you're serving the poor. And something that's very clear, uh, we can't really ignore that at all. Okay, so with all that being said, 
Um, let's move into a more practical vein then and, and, and talk about what does service to the poor look like in our parish? Obviously, it takes a number of forms. Certainly, we won't talk about everything today, but a lot of our benevolence ministries are grouped under the name Abide, which is headed up by you, Deacon SK. And I know we have some listeners who aren't from this parish. Our hope is that by talking about specific things, you will be encouraged to get involved with these kinds of ministries in your own local church. And if in the church you're in, if the city you're in, if there aren't any opportunities for something like this, maybe you'd consider starting something like this. Because I think every church should have some capacity to serve the poor that they encounter, both within their congregation and in the course of evangelistic ministry. Uh, This is a way to care for the body of Christ, and it's also a really great tool for mission. Our, Our generosity is an expression of the love of God for people. So, Kay, can you sort of give us an overview of what our benevolence ministries look like here? Um, What kinds of things do we do for people? What kinds of people do we serve? How do we connect with them? Things like that. Sure. Yeah, the Abide ministry really has a particular focus on caring for widows and orphans. And that was originally, I think, just the, the vision and the and the leading of the Lord uh, to walk with those who are, they can be widowed by death or separation or mm-hmm. divorce or abandonment, right. and to care for the fatherless and the sojourner um, in our land, God says. So in our context particularly, um, this is uh, largely single mothers and their kids or needy families, really. Yeah. And even though we have a particular emphasis on widows and orphans, nobody who comes to us is turned away. We do our best to help everyone who the Lord leads to us and to serve our own uh, church community alongside of that. So our heart, it really is, is to serve the poor and the broken and to proclaim the love of of Jesus through through our words and our actions. Now, that can mean a lot of different things, right? But in our particular case, it can mean things like helping with food costs, for instance, uh, with a grocery card or with a meal from our church freezer, which our congregation has been so generous in filling the freezer with meat and soup and baking, and it's just been lovely to see. We can help with the cost of gas at times for people to to get transportation and support for utility bills and rent when they have fallen behind. And we know those needs are on the rise. So sometimes there's families that find themselves unable to keep up. And so we want to help in whatever way we can there. Um, There's situations where we have provided temporary, uh, like one-time assistance or periodically or even on a more long-term basis of support and it depends on the need so that can change we've also helped uh, people move and that's that's a big one really (laughs) (laughs) and uh, even help them get some appliances sometimes like washers and dryers and all of uh, which can be difficult to do for people without funds or without strong arms to help them and we do connect with people in several ways from the church congregation itself or someone in the church referring a neighbor yeah. uh, or friend for help. And the workers and the counselors at the Alberta Health Services also connect with us with people that have needs beyond what they can provide. So, And, you know, people just sometimes call the church, 
right? Yeah. And they call the church and request help. And so we, we meet people in a lot of different ways. Um, but we have built a, a bit of a relationship with Alberta Health Services. And so they're aware of us. And so they can direct people here that are in need, which is uh, quite beautiful, really. We meet a lot of uh, people that way. Yeah, that's great. And it's good to know, like, as much as the culture has shifted over the last, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever, people still do know that when they're in hard times, they can call the church. Mm -hmm. And it's good, I think, for us to respond in those times. One of the things that's that's really hard when it comes to talking about this is that people always want to hear stories. They want to hear testimonies. Uh, but the people that you're serving are often in very vulnerable situations, and right. understandably, they really don't want what they're going through to be broadcast to the entire world. Um, but that said, do you have any stories that you could share from doing this kind of ministry? You don't have to give names or anything like that or any um, sort of identifying details. Uh, we, we do want to be careful to guard people's stories. But is there anything that you can share to encourage people, and to give them a bit of a window into what this looks like. Sure. There's just so many beautiful things that uh, that do happen. But, you know, it, it can come out of just helping a, a mom move and how that blessed her, um, really, and how she felt cared for in that way. A lady that we were able to help um, actually admitted that it shifted her mistrust of men, um, oh, wow. which is quite significant and that she had struggled because of hardship in her life and she saw men caring for her and caring for her the things in her home and that that really touched her and so she was very open about that Hmm. so that that was significant for me to realize that that that's what that move had done for her it it helped her heart you know in many ways right yeah and we do have some guys that are quite ingenious too, I must tell you, <laughs> uh, when there's a challenge. So we had a, a sofa that wouldn't fit around a corner, couldn't get it in the living room. So they decided they'd just pop out the kitchen window, put the sofa through so that they could move it in through the kitchen and uh, put it into the living room. So that was a new one for me. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were quite ingenious, I That's thought. Great. I it hope worked she calls really us well. when she needs to move it out too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was, yes. There's gonna be a lot of head scratching going on there. <laughs> Wondering how did that get in here, yeah. right? Uh, probably wouldn't think of the kitchen window being the way. Anyway, that was uh, that was a great one. We've had many times uh, been able to support those that don't have any money for food. Um, you know, they had their their pay doesn't come in for for a week or more, and yep. uh, they just don't have any food, and so we can help them with that. and And there's expressions of gratefulness and uh, around those things all the time, and even help families facing eviction and having their utilities cut off. So by contributing to their rent or their bills, we've been able to give them more time and help them with that. We've had calls from stranded travelers going through Lethbridge that. Uh, <laughs> Someone would meet them with a gas can full of gas and get them to a gas station and fill their tank. So we've had a couple of times when that's happened, (laughs) uh, quite recently, right, Amos? So uh, (laughs) part of what we hope to do is just to build community. Um, And so there's an open invitation. So we have our pop-in program or Sunday school or church services. And so we always try to make them feel really welcome to that they are welcome to any of those. And... 
we've seen some relationship building as right. people have responded to that and been able to come in and receive just even that that community piece. We have had a family that's recently got baptized that we met through the the Alberta Health Services. The mom came yeah, as right. she felt the just the peace here that she hadn't really felt and they've gotten connected in and be, got baptized. So that's been, that's been just beautiful. I did have a family services counselor just really all of a sudden just tell me it's like I don't understand I how why you guys care the way you care for the needy and for those in need and so she was just gave just quite beautiful accolades to the church and their generosity right it's like uh, wondering how and why and so it's a chance to talk about the love of Christ, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it was It was visible to her. She could see that. We'd had many contacts, and she could uh, see that there was a support system there that she hadn't realized. Yeah. We also had a couple uh, that have connected with a, a young mom and, and her son, and, and they've given rides for appointments into the food bank and for shopping, and they even play games with her, her son <laughs> while she's busy shopping. And so there's games going on, uh, I spy, and all sorts of things for, yeah. for uh, those. <laughs> so those are just beautiful things that you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have a little fun out there, too. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, lo- I love hearing <clears throat> stuff like that. And I'd like to... Um, I'd like to talk now through a few different ways that people can get involved um, through volunteering, through giving finances, um, and through prayer. One of the challenges with this kind of ministry, at least in my experience, is I've found this area really difficult to build volunteers around because it is so responsive to the needs that just happen to come up, right? right? Like it is... It is really hard to schedule people in yeah. crisis. Yes, like, <laughs> absolutely. It's just inherently unpredictable. Yeah. But there are some opportunities, I think, for, for regular, predictable involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other things that we just sort of have call lists for. But can you give our listeners a sense of how they can get involved? What are some of the volunteer opportunities within our parish? And how would someone go about getting started with that kind of stuff? Sure. I, I think that building... Uh, the volunteer support base is, I think, one of those difficulties is that it is a responsive yeah. care and service for sure. Um, well, one of the things really is uh, the relational support. I think um, it is one of the greatest needs in some of our families. They are, uh, they just need connection, right? And they feel, are feeling isolated and, uh, and it can be difficult to walk into a church just on your own or come and ask for help. Um, into a community group or any of that can be really difficult. And so volunteers get to connect to the to a family particularly or to right. individuals and build that relationship, right? And so yeah. giving them that relational support and encouraging them and inviting them in. And I think that's one of the things that makes a significant difference in the response really right. for people. Yeah. I mean, our acts of service is things that you can help with and we do have a list for helping people move. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> that is one of our, someone needs, uh, you might have a little bit of notice. You might have a week's notice, or you may only have a day or two yeah. to respond to that, to help people move. And occasionally doing yard work, um, putting together furniture, those kinds of things. And they may be more things that you can 
put in your schedule, not quite, quite as responsive. Right, yeah, But, yeah. you know, those with trucks and willing hands, if you're willing to be on a list, I'm always looking for people with special skills, things that they would, this is what I do. If you ever need anybody that needs this done, I would be happy to, right. to help out. And that's really helpful, actually. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of ladies in the church that just said, I'll do laundry. I mean, right. I can go pick up laundry, do laundry, take it back to them. And, you know, that's really helpful for a family or for individuals if they're not well or they're just getting behind or yeah. they don't even have the equipment, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's something you can schedule in. But if I know that, then I can contact them. So right. that's that's really helpful. There's uh, We try to provide meals at some point, and sometimes it's a grocery card, and that's great. But... There's also people that can cook meals, put it in the freezer or deliver them fresh, right? right. Yeah, yeah. So if you're willing or you would like to do that, just knowing that, having that list of people to, so that it isn't just one or two, yeah. <laughs> but there's a list. And if, if it works for you and we can, uh, it's not as frequent for everybody, right? If there's a big list. so And that can be tailored to your own schedule. That kind of right. thing can be. Oh, we have peop- sometimes a need for, for cleaning or, and occasionally a family needs assistance to keep their home clean and, and their laundry done. And, and these are simple acts that have a tremendous impact, really. So just being aware of who, who is willing and able to, to be contacted about that. Right. Uh, providing rides is a pretty big need. Yeah. Um, the city bus service, uh, as you can imagine, if if it's your only means of transportation, that can be really difficult. Yeah. We want people just to think about it. If you have space in your car, yeah. uh, can you give people a ride? Bring them to church on a regular basis, even if that's all you do. Pick them up on the way to church or to bring the kids to Sunday school if you have that space. Or... I'm available some days during the week to drive for groceries or for medical appointments or to the food bank to help people pick up. Um, So driving is quite a large need, really. Um, Transportation always tends to be a a pretty big need for the people in the demographic that we're serving. Absolutely, yeah. And the church will even cover your fuel costs if you want, you know, if you need that. And so um, that, that can be really helpful, just giving rides. So we've got a pop-in group, and it's a support ministry to Abide, really, and provides a place for small group community uh, for moms and kids and uh, and really building friendships with the mothers and the small kids. So if you, that's on Tuesday mornings if any, for a couple of hours. If anybody's interested or would like to just come and spend time with the moms or the kids, uh, right. we're just, that would just be lovely. We have a great team there. And sometimes the moms need a ride to get to pop in, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in order to become part of that. Sometimes they ask for they need a child care. You know, sometimes a family needs a little extra support by we're caring for the little ones for just a few hours um, yeah. just to help them out, right? Give them a break or allow them to go to an appointment or that kind of thing. So if that's something. And then, of course, we have soup kitchen. So the ministry... At the soup kitchen, uh, Charlie and Carol Norquist lead that, and uh, they just serve at the Lethbridge Soup Kitchen on the second Monday every month, and that's a great opportunity just to serve the poor in the city and to work with church members and community members to yeah. to do that too. So, 
Yeah, volunteering in in these ways and and whatever else comes up. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's never it's never just these things, right. but these are some of the some of the key things. It's just a great way to reach out into the community and to be a blessing. To build a solid volunteer base is key, really, to serving well and to maintain and to grow the abide um, ministry. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. So it sounds like pretty much anybody could volunteer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, anybody. <laughs> yes, we all have skills, right? I believe yeah. you all have skills, so <laughs> we would take anyone. Yeah. What is your particular set of skills? Yes. Yeah, we'll uh, take it. And maybe just as a point of information, if if you are working directly with people, uh, we do have a bit of a process around police checks and safety training, things like that. So it can take a little bit of time to get set up as a volunteer, uh, but it really is for the best. It helps to protect you um, as well as the people that you'll be serving. Uh, but we do have to be really careful with those who are in vulnerable mm-hmm. situations. Yeah. And maybe one other note there. I don't think I'm assuming too much in this, but um, Kay and I are both pretty good at doing things and not so good <laughs> at promoting or <laughs> fundraising. So if that's your thing and you want to help us with communication and promotion, mm-hmm. we could use a team member on that. So please let us know. We'd love to have some help in that particular area. <laughs> Yes, Um, I would add my amen to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And on that note, if if you do want to support these kinds of ministries financially, please send us money. We've seen this ministry grow every single year, and it seems as though the Lord just keeps sending people our way and giving us opportunities to serve our community. I was just recently going over our finances, and in the last year, we've spent just over $50,000 on our benevolence and outreach ministries and that doesn't include any staffing or any administration expenses or anything like that. Um, it also doesn't include the same kinds of ministries that we support overseas because we do a lot of stuff in Kenya particularly. Um, so that is all going directly into serving the poor in our community in some way. And I think that that's a pretty big number, especially for a church our size. But I would like to see it get much bigger. Like mm-hmm. there, there is no shortage of people to help in this city. Yeah. And, and as I said, I really do believe that our generosity communicates the generosity of our Lord and his love for people. Mm-hmm. There's a really great example of that in church history with uh, the Roman Emperor Julian, who was a persecutor of the church. He, he once said this. He said, nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition of the Christians as much as their charity to strangers. These impious Galileans, that's what he called them, the (laughs) impious Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that quote because this is somebody who hates Christians and he's being Mm -hmm. forced to acknowledge that our charity or our love for the world um, is being expressed in our care for the poor. So if you want to send us some funds, we're happy to spend that money on the poor. Mm. And the most helpful thing, uh, one-off contributions are great and we'll take them, but the most helpful thing for us is consistent monthly giving. And so I would ask you to please take a few minutes and consider whether this is something that you can support. This is a very important ministry. It's also a very fruitful ministry. Um, And in order for us to increase our capacity and to continue to grow, we need more funding. So... You know, do you have $10 a month that you could give? Mm. Is this the kind of thing that you'd be willing to skip a few coffees for? Do you have $100 a month, $1,000 a month? Everybody's situation is a little bit different, but what has the Lord blessed you with that you can use to bless others? 
how are you following that apostolic exhortation to remember the poor? Um, so I'll leave a donation link in the show notes and please put abide or benevolence in the comment field of that form. And you can set it up to have recurring payments on any schedule that works for you. Or you can contact me if you need um, other options or something like that. Amos.m at viachurch.ca or the podcast email missionarydistrict at gmail.com will work as well. And again, I know there are quite a few listeners who aren't from our parish. Please consider providing financial support for these kinds of ministries in your own local church. Uh, you can send us money too if you want, uh, <laughs> but, but please don't neglect your own local church ministries. I think that's really important. And lastly, so we're just talking about these three big needs for any ministry, volunteers, finances, and prayer. Um, Kay, what would you say our biggest prayer needs are? How can people pray for us and for these types of ministries in general? The prayer needs are really, uh, really significant and really important for sure. I guess I would just encourage people, if you could really be intentional and just, if you have a prayer list, please add us, uh, the Abide Ministry, whether it be the people we're ministering to, um, those that God would want to call to into this, people that we've already are walking with, and for our, for those that are serving, and so just to be intentional uh, uh, with prayer, prayer for really for wisdom, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, and discernment because it's not always easy ministering to people isn't easy, and so I I particularly need I need prayer for just the heart of love to serve the poor and to be wise in yeah. how to do that. My human uh, inclinations of how how to serve people may not be what God's asking, right? right. And so, I really, I really would ask for that prayer for wisdom, for discerning on how to do this, just for a heart of compassion, and really, in some ways, we have to we have to know how to do this well, how to do this in what way God wants it right. done, and to be open to that. And so, but I would ask that they would be, you know. Add us to your prayer list. Yeah. Be intentional about that. Try to keep us at the forefront for the families that we're walking with, but also for for those of us that are serving. I'd appreciate that for sure. Yeah, that's great. On that note, I thought maybe we could close in prayer. Um, and Kay, actually, would you mind uh, praying this prayer over us? Uh, this is one of the collects for mission from morning prayer in the 2019 BCP. Sure, I'd love to do that. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Amen. That's great. Well, Kay, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a a real pleasure to have you. Thanks, Amos. (laughs) It wasn't too bad, was it? No, it was okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It was okay. That's a great endorsement. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I know the schedule has been pretty sporadic, so Mm -hmm. I really appreciate everyone that subscribes to the podcast I'm not totally sure what's next. I have some ideas for some things in the fall. But as always, feel free to get in touch uh, with your questions or comments at missionarydistrict at gmail.com. 
and we'll see you next time.